Hi, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you may go. But we just wanted you to know that we're so glad that you've chosen to join us today. And once again, welcome. Now today what we're doing is we're actually continuing our series, which is known as Forgiveness. And today this message is going to be entitled, Forgiveness, the Healing of Paralysis. And the reason that we're going to talk about this is because we're going to do a deep dive into one of the familiar scriptures or an encounter that Jesus Christ had with um, a man who was known to be paralyzed during his time. And really how Jesus addressed not only his physical infirmity, but also his spiritual infirmity and dealt with it in such a way that by providing forgiveness, it released him totally from a paralysis in life that enabled him to move forward. And so what we're going to do is we're going to focus on this statement today, that we will be healed from that which cripples us when we experience and express the forgiveness of Christ. We will be healed from that which cripples us when we experience and express the forgiveness of Christ. We're going to break the message down into three parts today. We're going to talk first about sin that cripples. Secondly, we're going to talk about forgiveness as the real need. And then finally, we're going to talk about Jesus, the true friend. And so before we do anything else, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today, and we thank you that you've given it to us, that we might know you, love you, and walk in both your healing and your freedom. God, we're asking you today that by your word, you would help us to really address the real needs of our hearts, the need for forgiveness, both received and offered to others, that we might be freed from our paralysis and walk with you in the strength of your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's start today by talking about um, the sin that cripples. And if you would, open with me to Mark chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 12, and in it we're going to see how Jesus Christ was uh, in fact expressing not only certain things about himself, but what, what we need to learn in relation to him to be able to walk as followers of his today. And so let's begin in verse 1. It says, And when he, meaning Jesus, returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together, so that there was no more room, not even at the door, and he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they, meaning the four men, removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned him within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he, meaning the paralytic, rose, and immediately picked up his bed, and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, 
we have never seen anything like this. And so what we see is that um, Jesus is teaching us a lot here in just this portion of Scripture about himself, about the world that we live in, and about our needs and relationship to him and one another that will actually propel us forward. And we see really at the heart of things that when Jesus is um, at the height of his ministry, Jesus was known to be a supernatural healer. And it was a supernatural healer, obviously healing people physically from their ailments, their diseases, their pain. He would open blind eyes, he would open deaf ears, and he would return even those who had passed away prior to uh, his timing for them, and he would return them to their beloved family members. And in this particular instance, we see that Jesus, the reputation that he had garnered, he had some men who were really friends of a paralytic who needed and were desperate to get this friend in front of Jesus. And so they came to where Jesus was ministering, this house where he was, and there were great crowds surrounding him. And because they couldn't get to him, they decided, I'm going to do something audacious. We so love our friend, and he is so in need, and we so trust in the goodness of God that we're do willing to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to get our friend who's paralyzed at the moment in front of Jesus. And oh, would that be the faith that all of us live in today when we've heard the good news and the reputation of Jesus as a healer, the reputation of Jesus as someone who's good and someone who really shows mercy, not just in word, but in deed, delivering people from their ailments, their afflictions, and that which besets them, would we have the same type of faith as these four men to get our family members, our friends, our loved ones, our co-workers, our communities in front of Jesus? And when this group of men opened that roof above Jesus, uh, Jesus, in his response to their audacity, he did not respond with anger or rejection of their efforts. What he did is he met them right where they were. And as this paralytic man came down in front of Jesus, the obvious, the obvious desire that this paralytic man had and also the friends who were lowering him had was that Jesus would touch and heal this man. But Jesus said something very interesting uh, in response to their faith and their efforts. He said, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, that was an important statement because as we see in the response to, of the religious leaders, Jesus was making a clear claim about who he was. Because what they understood was that the only person who can forgive somebody an offense that, was, that they committed against them is the person who was actually offended. When I sin against someone the only one who can offer me forgiveness for that sin against them is that person who I've offended. And Jesus is basically saying to this man, your sins are forgiven. And the religious leaders understood, wait a minute, who can really forgive sins? Who has the authority to forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus knew it. Jesus knew what he was saying when he said it. And so in response to their questioning, Jesus said to them, what's easier to say to this man, 
your sins are forgiven. In fact, claiming himself to be God against whom all humanity is sin and deserves separation, wrath, death, and hell because of their disobedience to the commands of a holy and righteous God? Or is it easier just to forget, like heal this man in his physical body and raise him up in health and into life? Well, what Jesus said is like, so that you might know that I am actually who I said I am. I am God incarnate who actually came to walk the earth, make myself known, and then also to show my goodness and mercy, kindness and love to the creation around me. I'm going to do both. I'm going to say, son, your sins are forgiven, dealing with that which is actually crippling you in life. And then I'm also going to heal your physical body. He spoke to the man, said, take up your mat and go home. And the man was supernaturally physically healed because God also has the ability to do that. He has the ability to heal the sin or the basically the patterns of destruction that we have in our own lives in relationship to others and primarily to him. But he also has the ability to heal us in our physical bodies. Jesus, in this instance, did both, showing with power that he was, in fact, the only unique Son of God. Now, when he addressed forgiveness as the primary and the first issue, what Jesus was saying was, ultimately, let me make this clear to you. What's most important in life is, really, though he loves us and wants to provide for us and care for us, console and comfort us, even in our ailments, what's most important in life is our relationship before him. And he says that if you continue to live in sin, if you continue to live in rebellion to my commands and my ways, living in drunkenness, sexual immorality, if you continue to live by lying, swindling, or stealing, if you continue to live in hatred, faction, discord, all the fruits of the flesh, all types of greed and idolatry. These things are, in fact, even more important than the healing of your physical body. Why? Because Jesus said, ultimately, the thing that he came to do was to live, die on a cross sacrificially for us, for the forgiveness of our sins, and be raised to new life. That this life is not all that there is. That those who believe in Christ, though they even perish for the good name of Christ, in the name of Christ, they'll be raised with him again. And in the resurrected state, have glorified, redeemed, imperishable bodies provided by God. That's your eternal destiny. That's my eternal destiny in God. And what he was saying to this man is that though there is um, the hope for that, and you're coming to me for the hope of just your physical healing, it would not be good for me to just heal your physical body, but not actually heal your soul. It would not be good for me to redeem or to fix that which is crippling you physically, but not fix that which is crippling you in your soul. Your real need is to turn away from sin in repentance and receive the forgiveness of God. Because without the forgiveness of God and without repentance from that sin, there's a crippling in your soul that's the real issue. 
And the importance of forgiveness is seen on an individual level by the weight and the guilt that people are really not only um, uh, weighed down by in everyday life, but also it's the uh, sin and the guilt and the shame that drives them into destructive habits, whether it be in relationships, romantically or otherwise, on a daily basis that keep them in cycles of destruction. And Jesus comes to address those things. We, we oftentimes think we're coming to Jesus for one thing, but Jesus actually deals with us and responds to us with another. He says, you're coming to me with the need that you actually perceive and can see, but I'm going to touch you internally and deal with the real need in your heart. And we see that on an individual level again and again as Jesus not only heals people physically, but really restores them emotionally, mentally, in their relationships to fix the dysfunction that have been passed down in generations over family lines because he deals with the real issue of sin in their hearts. And he says, when you repent and turn to me, forgiveness is what I offer you as a real issue. And even on a societal level, we see that forgiveness, living out that not only understanding that we've been forgiven, but that we can offer forgiveness in the same way to other people, is the real issue of the day. If we're going to move forward as a society on a societal level, it's really the thing that's necessary. The importance of forgiveness cannot be understated. Because it cripples us, not just individually when we continually walk in a lack of forgiveness um, um, before God, but also it cripples us in relationship to others when we don't offer forgiveness or even the chance for forgiveness to others as well. And this is what a woman named Elizabeth Brunig recently stated and made mention of in a recent New York Times article. And she was talking about the importance of forgiveness that came out of the Christian notion of the gospel, being reconciled to God through Jesus, when she said this. She said, There were centuries and centuries in which the Christian notion of forgiveness was not a part of anybody's culture. Meaning that we often take for granted now this ideal of receiving and offering forgiveness as something that's just always been self-evident or part of the human condition. But the reality is if you look throughout human history, that's not been true. She goes on to say the unconditional starting afresh, forgiving, forgetting, and how that practice ought to work. But I think it's the only way civil society really hangs together. If we continually deny people the opportunity to have an identity apart from their punish identity, then you're inviting them to permanently inhabit that failure. In other words, not to change. And even if they do change because they are good-hearted, they will not be able to reconcile with anyone as long as they are presented with an identity that is attached to their failure. And when you think about this on a societal level, think about how this uh, cry, even over the past year, for wrong things to be made right, wrong things to be made right, weren't necessarily 
driven by a heart of reconciliation, but they were driven by a heart of vengeance, a heart of revenge even, a heart of, I'm going to become basically the one who is oppressed and then ultimately become an oppressor. What this woman is saying in the article, this New York Times article, is that if we lack this understanding of Jesus dealing with what's really crippling us, the lack of forgiveness perceived, received, and then given, then we're at a standstill, not only individually, but as a society. We understand that, according to Jesus, forgiveness is the real need. And there was a woman named Hannah Arendt, a Jewish political philosopher writing after the Holocaust, who actually dug a little bit deeper and expressed why forgiveness is our real need. She said, without being forgiven, released from the consequences of what we have done, our capacity to act would, as it were, be confined to one single deed from which we could never recover. We would remain the victims of its consequences forever, not unlike the sorcerer's apprentice who lacked the magic formula to break the spell. And so again, going back to the gospel account with Jesus and the paralytic, could it be that what Jesus was dealing with in the paralytic was not necessarily that which would just cripple him physically, but that which would ultimately destroy him in life, in relationships, and spiritually, if Jesus didn't deal with the real need in his heart. What Jesus did is he not only showed himself to be God, but then he gave the man the power to change. And the power to change was given through forgiveness. The forgiveness received from the paralytic that he could actually be reconciled and made right with God because through what Jesus, who Jesus was, and what Jesus would ultimately do for him on the cross. And secondly, the man taking up his mat and going home, the thing that he used to lie on and be identified by, the pain, the suffering that he used to be identified by, he took up that mat and went home with a testimony of forgiveness that he could now offer to other people as well, bringing people to the knowledge of Christ. And the question is, is ultimately for us, not do you understand the forgiveness as of God as your real need? Do you understand repentance from sin as your real need, as the real issue in life as we know it? We always want to point fingers at other people and talk about how they did something to us or we, our spouse, offended us in some way. And that's what's causing the contention in the home. That our children didn't obey us in the way that we told them to. And that's why there is a rift between us today. That in society, that different people groups aren't able to get along or see eye to eye. Because ultimately you see other persons or the other community shortcomings that are at fault. And the truth of the matter is, is that Jesus is showing us that universally in all humanity... We're all guilty. We're all guilty, and despite the 
physical or emotional manifestation of the sin that has crippled us in our lives. Jesus says our real need is to be forgiven before God, reconciled with God, that he might deal with that which is actually crippling us. And when we are no longer attached to, identified by, or committed to that sin which separated us from God, then we can be not only forgiven, but then we have the transformative power of God's Word and the Holy Spirit to live differently and relate differently in the world around us. And we're no longer crippled, but we have the power to actually heal lives just as God himself heals us both physically and spiritually in him. And Jesus was ultimately the true friend. We know that the four men brought this paralytic to Jesus to be healed of his physical infirmity. But ultimately, Jesus is the true friend who brings us not to just himself, but brings us to the Father. Our heavenly Father, and Jesus is a true friend who brings us to the heavenly Father to be absolved from our sins. And at the cross, Jesus tore a hole in the cosmic roof, separating us from God because of our wrongdoing. But it's the idolatry of self. The idolatry of self and our aggrandized perceptions of self that many times keep us from really coming before God to be healed. Either we deny the fact that the sin that's been crippling us in our own lives is actually a big deal before God or that it should be to other people. We think, well, the way that I speak to them, treat them, or you know, respond to them shouldn't be an issue. It's really their issue, not mine. We have an aggrandized vision of our innocence in God's sight. Or secondly, we think so little of ourselves that God himself, we aggrandize our our, our sin in such a way that we diminish the power of the cross in our lives. We say, my wrongdoings are so bad that I can't ever be forgiven. And we diminish the power of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection from the dead. And both are an error. Both are an error and idolatry of self that keeps us moving forward in God, keeps us from moving forward in God. And when we are more consumed with our own estimation of ourselves than what God says about us, we are paralyzed often by things like self-loathing, fear, and despair. Self-loathing, fear of the future, and despair. But when we come to God and we allow Jesus to speak to us just as he spoke to the paralytic, we see that not only can we be forgiven, but Jesus is actually the friend who's fighting for us. Just like the four men were fighting for the paralyzed man to bring him in front of Jesus. And Jesus is in the same way fighting for us to bring us into right relationship and life abundant before God. Dr. Timothy Keller, in his book, Counterfeit Gods, which I've mentioned many times before, actually summarized this idolatry of self in this way. He says, when people say, I know God forgives me, 
but I can't forgive myself. They mean that they have failed an idol. Something or someone that you put above, before, and more important in your life than God. He says they mean that they have failed an idol whose approval is more important than God's. But what I'm here to tell you is that though this man, the paralytic, was identified by his infirmity in his life, when God looks at you, God's not identifying you by your infirmity, but he's identifying you by your right relationship with him. And he's not looking to identify you either by your past. He's looking to identify you by the covering that his son gives you because of his blood spilled for you at the cross. And he says, don't make anybody's opinion, not even your own, more important than God's. Because if you do, you'll remain in a crippled state. But when you make God's opinion greater than any other person, institution, or thing, then what that means is that you have hope for a future. A hope for a future that ultimately is healed, strengthened, and delivered in your mind, your body, and your soul, meaning your mind, will, and emotions. And from that place, you can live in not only the healing, but the freedom that Jesus Christ provides for you. This is the good news of the gospel, and it's what he makes available to each of us today. But it's understanding that it's sin that truly cripples. It's not just our physical bodies that need healing. Ultimately, that's the promise of redemption. It will be healed. It will be strengthened. It will be restored at the resurrection for those who've lived a life of faith in Jesus. But really, forgiveness is the real need that Jesus addressed with this paralytic man and that he wants to address with us today. He wants us to know his forgiveness and that through that forgiveness, he wants to empower us to offer it to others that we might not only be freed from our paralysis as an individual, but also as communities, a nation, and in the nations. And finally, he wants us to know Jesus as a true friend. Jesus is a true friend who brings us not only to the cross, but to the Father, to reconcile us to a holy and righteous God, and then rebuild us to live a life that's full of the life, love, joy, and righteousness that he originally intended for us. That's the good news, and he wants you to receive it today in Jesus' name. And so let me end by first giving anyone the opportunity to say, you know what, I've never really come to God for my healing, and I'm in desperate need of healing today. I'm in need of healing in my body, but I'm also, I understand, in need of healing in my soul. I've been paralyzed in my relationships. I've been paralyzed in my ability to move forward in life because I've not had a uh, health in my soul. And I'm asking God to heal me of these things today. If that's you, let me start by praying for you. God, I pray for those out there today who are in desperate need of your healing the healing of the paralysis that they've experienced in their bodies, in their minds, and in their souls. 
And God, I pray for those who are in need of physical healing today, that you would, by your mercy, just like you did for this man who was a paralytic, send forth your word and heal them. But more than that, God, I pray that you would deal with the sin that's in their hearts and minds. And if there's anyone who needs to come to repentance as a believer, help them by your kindness to identify and do so today. Those th um, repent of those things today. And God, I pray that you would help them to know your forgiveness and not only know it, but receive it as their own. That they might walk in the freedom that Christ purchased for them and the healing that Christ released to them at the cross. In Jesus' name, help them to move forward by faith, knowing that you wiped away their shame, their guilt, their condemnation at the cross. In Jesus' name. And for those of you who say, you know what, I, I hear that, and that's good for people who are walking with God, but I've never made a decision to serve Jesus as Lord. But you want to recognize what Jesus said about himself today, that he has the authority to forgive your sins and heal your body, because he is, in fact, the unique resurrected Son of God. And if you want to come into right relationship and make your peace with God for the first time today, would you pray this prayer with me? Almighty God, I thank you that you have shown yourself to be kind, loving, gracious, and true. But I admit to you today that I've been a sinner living in rebellion to you, and I know I deserve your judgment. Death and hell because of my own sin before you. But I say today that I'm sorry of it, about it, and I'm asking you to forgive me. God, would you not only forgive me my sin, but heal me from my sin? I believe that Jesus lived the sinless life that I should have lived, and on the cross died the sacrificial death that I should have died. And then three days later, you raised him from the dead so that I could have not only forgiveness of sins, but new life in you. God, would you make me a new creation today? Would you heal me in my body, mind, and soul today, even as I proclaim Jesus my Lord? Thank you for your love. Amen. Now the good news is, is if you prayed that prayer, God said he's made you a new creation. So would you go with me to our website, secondcitychurch.com slash new life. There you can find not only resources, but next steps of how to walk out this new life in Christ. We're going to continue to talk about these things in our community groups this week. So if you've not yet found one yet, please do visit our website where you can find both in-person and virtual options. We'll be praying for you, so let us know how we can stand with you. And also think about who you might be able to share this link with so that they also might be strengthened by the grace of God. Please do invite others next week to our service who also need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And until then, have a wonderful week in the Lord. God bless you, and we love you.